0: Merry Christmas from the legal geeks. (laughs) You are here for our Christmas spectacular, which will be issue spotting, legal issues, and some of the greatest holiday classics out there. Jessica, how are you?
1: I'm good, Josh. Merry Christmas. How are you?
0: Wonderful. You look very uh, Christmassy with the red and the trees. Thank you. Thank you. It's the season. Yes, it it is fantastic. There are first ladies who would be envious of you. (laughs) (laughs) So let's discuss first and foremost, perhaps the greatest Christmas movie ever. It's from just after World War II, and it's Jimmy Stewart's Immortal, It's a Wonderful Life. Now, Jessica, what's the first issue in It's a Wonderful Life that, that you noticed?
1: Well, the most obvious one is a statement, the famous line from the movie, of course, that every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. The teacher, of course, who said that was a public school teacher. So there could be some concerns there about separation of church and state, um, you know, the whole war on Christmas, of course, every year about what can the school say and can't say about Christmas. Obviously, it was a different time, um, but there's still a lot of the concerns there since the Constitution was written about keeping those two things separate. So there could be legal issues.
0: Yes. And it's, it's not actually in the Constitution, but we won't get into Jefferson. Well,
1: <laughs> all right. The letter to the Baptist, yes, we won't get into that. But anyway, well, you could argue it is in the First Amendment, but we won't get into that argument now.
0: Uh, there'll be another bar fight. So let, let's focus on It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and a few people miss that, you know, Mr. Gower, Now, it does have a near miss with manslaughter. <clears throat> but he slaps George Bailey around. And that's child abuse. (laughs) And that kind of gets a free pass. Sure, it's the 1920s, but that's still disturbing. The other, you know, actually 1919, I, I think. The other unfortunate thing in there is if the young George Bailey, who knew the medicine was poisonous, had knowingly delivered that poisonous medicine to a specific person who he knew the specific person was, that'd be murder. Yeah. That would, there is no doubt that would be and He doesn't do it. Now, he goes to Dad, and he does you know, point it out to G- Gower, but that, that, that could have been a little creepy if he'd actually delivered it and caused some problems. The movie could have taken a much darker turn there, yeah. There were a couple spots where they, they could have gone un- unpleasant. <laughs> the other thing I always wondered, just what exactly was Violet's job? You know, Why do you say line? that? Oh, <laughs> uh, you, you you see her like hanging out with dudes all the time and like you know and clothes, but it's like is she like you know the socialite for the generals? I mean, like what's what's
1: her deal? <laughs> Tampa Bay socialite, a liaison to the military? <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, up in I, I I think they're in upstate New York. I think they're supposed to be near Buffalo. You know, and Bedford Falls is supposed to be Niagara Falls, but that that's just sometimes just you know weird. Um, yeah. And the other thing that, that really bothers me is that, you know, Mr. Potter kept the $8,000 and is never arrested, and there's no legal action against Potter for keeping, you know, the Bailey Building and Loans money. That only yeah. kind of that's, – that's not good. And, you know, the other thing that hurts is there are Potters in my family. Oh. And, uh, uh, yes, yes. A grand – one of them. named <gasps> – James Potter so we do get the Harry Potter thing from that but that's uh <laughs>
1: so it's a good and a bad name
0: yeah it it is a little hurtful so let's talk about <laughs> a christmas story what issues jump out for you Jessica with a christmas story
1: well, obviously, the big one is the whole, although I can't say this because my son has one, but, um, you know, giving a kid a BB gun, there are obviously concerns about giving a sort of dangerous weapon to a child. Um, you know, it's almost like could you make some sort of attractive nuisance article uh, argument, obviously, if somehow he gets hurt or hurts someone else, um, is there almost some sort of strict liability there for, again, giving a weapon to a child and, you know, just saying be careful with this and you're done. So um, that's obviously something that I'm sympathetic to because, again, my son, has a BB gun and he loves it, but it is always a nerve wracking kind of thing. Yeah, you know,
0: and when you, when you give a kid, you know, a BB gun, you know, you're supposed to teach them the gun safety and everything that goes with that. And they kind of skip that and he goes outside and plays with the gun right out, right out of the gate. So that's it's like, <laughs> way to go, Dad. Uh, <laughs> the thing that bother, bothered me, you know, is you know, that the safe alternative gift was a football. And when you look at all the concussions that you know that professional football players have, and like the the damage that they have, and then that the NFL has been dealing with, it, you know, this past year especially, you know, mm-hmm. football might not be the safe choice for another gift. A and safe I, I'm not alternative. Saying, yeah, I'm not saying shoots and ladders would would be like you know <sighs> would make a little boy happy because boys want to go outside and play. We want to play sports. It's in our nature but it's like would a baseball little girls be, yeah yes my mom played powder puff but do <laughs> wouldn't it be safer for like a baseball there's like less concussions and broken bones i mean they still happen but it's less
1: it is just Minnesota actually just passed a law that all high school football games, you have to have an ambulance at the game. And my dad keeps saying, you know, what kind of sport is this, and why are we allowing our high school students to do a game that's so dangerous that there's a state law requiring an ambulance be ready at every game? Um, you're right, football is very dangerous. That is a, a dangerous sport. Um, of course, I got injured playing volleyball, but uh, so I guess all sports have the risk. But, yeah, football is, a, because of the concussions and the risk of brain damage, it does seem a pretty high risk kind of sport.
0: Yeah, and again, there's like no sport that's totally safe. I mean, we don't play, you know, basketball and, you know, on a Nerf court, but, you know, there's there's always risk, but, you know, how do you, what's an acceptable risk to have kids play? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Just, as, just as kids can only pitch so much in Little League because we don't want them to to have damage. That's true. So, anyway, just just, just issues, you know, from, from a Christmas story. <laughs> let alone flick <laughs> getting his tongue stuck to the pole. So and, uh, oh, I always have been fear of that as a kid. Yeah, that's uh that's not wise. No. Okay, let's move to a modern classic mm-hmm. and that would be Elf.
1: First, I have to say, I have to give a shout-out to Elf. I let my kids watch it this year for the first time, and they love it. They think Buddy is hysterical, and my son is a big Bigfoot fan, too, and so he really appreciated the homage to the Patterson film. He even knows the name of the Bigfoot film um, that actually shows Bigfoot walking through the woods, and they have the scene at the end where they capture Buddy on the news uh, footage walking through the woods in Central Park, and it's like a dead-on, you know, scene-by-scene or... Uh, strip by strip, what, I'm blanking on the word, but clip of um, the Patterson film, and so that's very funny, and that's Isaac's favorite part of the whole movie.
0: Yes, and that was clever, just as the Four <laughs> yes. Horsemen of Apocalypse and the Central Park Rangers. But that was but my favorite. Mine too. Uh, you know, but somehow. legally, so what are the legal issues? The legal issues would be adoption. How did Papa Elf adopt Buddy legally? You know, sometime in the you know 70s, I guess. Uh, or late 60s, depending on, on when that actually you know, happened in his birth and when he was in, in there. And did the orphanage ever file a missing person report? Because <laughs> if, if an orphanage loses a baby, there's going to be problems with that.
1: You would think there would be concern for that. As for the elf part, I would assume that Santa was just kind of some sort of beneficent king, and so they didn't really have to have laws or bureaucracies. He could just say, Papa Elf, you take this baby, and it's done. Um, but yeah, the orphanage, you did hope that hopefully somebody would have turned something in. There would have been a missing child report filed. Maybe actions taken against the orphanage. Yeah,
0: and if there was a judge, he could have been claimation up in the North Pole. So, you know, there's there that. So. <laughs> And and the other other thing is reintegration into society. It's like, okay, you've been Mm -hmm. a missing person for 30 years. Now you're going to go start working. You know, there's HR stuff. There's social security stuff. I mean, you just, and it's like, sure, he has a birth certificate, so they could actually track that down. But then you're explaining I've been at the North Pole for 30 years. Um, Yeah. That's a little weird.
1: Really it'd be hard. It'd be hard to get your tax or your uh, yeah, your income paid because they'd want a copy of your driver's license for your W nine or a passport or something. Yeah, that does seem awkward, and that happens a lot in movies. Actually, where there are people who just disappear and then they show up with none of that paperwork that we all need that we don't think about that you need to get through everyday life. And they never address in a movie. How do you get around the total lack of that kind of paperwork?
0: Yeah. Well, again, you don't have lawyer consultants because that could make the movie really boring if you actually <laughs> got in. They might not the like minutia. That. Yeah. <laughs> Again the lawyers are going like, whoa, whoa. And I'm sure there are HR people going like, Time out. <laughs> <laughs> Where are
1: the forms?
0: Yeah. yeah, whoa, whoa. There's there's some paperwork to fill out here. Let's let's get into one that I think is very sweet and I really like this because again I'm I'm a Tom Hanks fan and I I'm gonna go with, you know, Polar Express. And while I'm not a parent, you know, I do a lot of volunteer work and helping other people's kids, and I can't help but wonder, did any of the parents teach their kids stranger danger? Like, don't get into a car with someone? How about not get on a train Yeah. in the, in the middle of the night? Did that not... <laughs> did parents talk to their kids after this movie, don't get in a train with a stranger?
1: No matter how tempting, no matter how awesome in the movie, yes, don't actually try this in real life. Yes.
0: I am concerned.
1: This kind of follows the Home Alone. Obviously, a lot of movie plots do center around parents being very neglectful of their children, which is often one of my issues with a lot of movies. I'm like, you know, as a parent now, I get very anxious when the parents are so clearly like just neglectful um, or the kids are just running around doing things unsupervised by the parents. And obviously, it makes for a much better plot. It's kind of like, you know, good lawyers can be killjoys on movies. Good parents can be killjoys on movies because then the kids can't go off and get into wild adventures. But it is nerve-wracking.
0: Yeah, well, it's weird. You know, it's like, uh, whoa, whoa. You know, it's like... Do we really allow this? So, well, let's let, let's let's go back to the end of the '80s and uh, what what I think is one of the classics because it's it's oh. on annually now, and that would be Scrooged, since *Scrooge*. *Scrooge* is of.
1: fantastic.
0: Love the movie. But again, love Bill Murray. Uh, he's a cool cat. Um, we're not going to break into song right now. Um, we won't put a little love in our heart, but. <laughs> I'm a little concerned with, you know, Elliot Loudermount, you know, played by Bobcat Goldway, you know, with his (laughs) siege on the control room. How did you avoid any lawyers getting involved after that? Because he took people hostage. He tied tied up Bryce Cummings, who's assaulted in his own right by the censor who sits on his lap and starts, you know, kissing him, which, again, has its own problems right there. Mm -hmm. Where are the lawyers when this happens? Or does singing make all of those things just kind of go away?
1: Everybody, yeah, got caught up in the Christmas spirit. Nobody liked coming to either, so everyone's like, you know what? Really, he deserves it, so we're not gonna press charges. Nobody cares.
0: Yeah, but it's like he could still go out civilly. And it's like <laughs> you know, it's like a, are you saying like there are no no lawyer is gonna take that case? It's like sure, Nobody will sue, touch it. Sue a big T V network. You know, because he's <laughs> He was, you know, physically assaulted at gunpoint and then, you know, physically assaulted by a censor. You know, or did they just cut him a check and call it even? I'm guessing
1: Bill Murray must have done that. He probably wrote a check to him at the end there, or something to yeah shut him up. So, and again, well, that goes nine uh, nine to five is kind of the same sort of thing too with Daphne Coleman. So we could do a whole post on that. But you know, the ending of that where yeah, I'm like all right, Daphne Coleman has some very good claims against some people, and instead he just goes into the jungle and disappears. So,
0: yeah, you you seek legal advice when something weird <laughs> like that happens would be my recommendation. But yes. Like, well, let's get to one of the grand poo-bahs of lawyer movies and Christmas.
1: And All right.
0: Miracle on 34th Street and the 1947 version, where, where the gentleman who played Santa Claus won an Oscar for, for his depiction. And it has a lot of courtroom scenes. A lot of courtroom <laughs> scenes. And because, you know, the hero's a lawyer. Yeah. Yay! I mean, what's not to like about that? Moreover, it's a great, <laughs> a great vindication of the duty of loyalty to a client, where this guy puts it all on the line to defend someone from getting thrown into an insane asylum, including quitting his law firm job because the firm was putting pressure on him not to defend Santa Claus. So he quit and decided to go out on his own In order to help another human being from being prosecuted by the state.
1: Wow. I wish more. I'm like, would most lawyers do that? I'd hope most lawyers would do that. I would guess they wouldn't, but uh, that's pretty nice. I don't know if I would, but that's pretty nice.
0: I mean, like you know, when you look at the ABA model rules, the scope of representation can have limits, Mm -hmm. but the duty of loyalty. You know, there's there's a lot to be said for the duty of loyalty. Mm-hmm. and uh, how long it continues and, and all that good stuff. But like, it's like, OK, that's actually heroic, uh, the way that they depicted him from getting prosecuted. Mm-hmm. The other fun part is it focuses on the judge and the district attorney. And like with the judge, his grandkids refused to talk to him because he was the <laughs> one who ordered the lunacy hearing on Santa Claus.
1: <laughs> That'd be hard pressure. pressure.
0: And then when he like asks his wife, it's like, "Hey, what's up with that?" And like, and she lays into him too. It's like, okay, so like you know, home life took a hit, and, he, and he's also <laughs> getting pressure from the mayor, going like, "Don't do this." <sighs> then you get the DA. The same things happening to the DA with his mm-hmm. wife ripping into him, and even going so far as the wife showing up in court with the son to have the son testify against the DA's case, saying, like, I believe in oh. Santa Claus because my dad, the DA, told me there is a Santa Claus. And it's like, so you get like child's, you know a child testifying.
1: Mm-hmm. Your own child testifying, basically, almost against you.
0: Because the wife showed up <laughs> and allowing the kid to, to testify. It's like, <laughs> wow, that has all kinds of issues attached to it. But it's like, <laughs> that's cool. And so, and, uh, and of course, the mail coming in, and since you know the U.S. Post Office, which they do reference being an efficient bureaucracy. Um, you know, recognizes Santa Claus that you know, therefore it's okay, and uh, you know, and that's their way out. But it's like it's a great courtroom drama. It is, and and the lawyer's a hero, and and the judge and the DA turn out to be okay too at the end. So like that's <laughs> all the lawyers win. It's it's a good thing.
1: That should be, that like yeah, the top lawyer's Christmas film. See, we could have made that. That's like, what Christmas film do lawyers love the most? And it could be this one, because it makes us look good. Yeah, it's,
0: yeah we're, we're the heroes, you know. <laughs> like Jurassic Park, everyone's rooting for the Tyrannosaurus Rex to eat the lawyer. And like in this one, it's, <laughs> the lawyer's the hero. The lawyer protects Santa Claus it's like we actually get depicted in a very positive light in this movie and it's like god bless them for doing that in 1937 <laughs> uh, that is good but you know to to end this you know i, I will you know I'll, I'll point out you know the grinch you know the ron howard's movie which which had some you know problems with it and you know with its It's still on every year, but there were some people who criticized it. But one of the the nice things about it is it ends with a dedication to his mom. Yeah. Because she loved Christmas the most. And I like that a lot because my mother was way into Christmas. Yeah. And she loved it dearly, as did my grandmother. My God, my grandmother knew how to throw a Christmas party because (laughs) she was a good Midwest girl during the Depression and, you know, she knew how to take care of people, and she she was a great cook, and she loved Christmas. So, I, so that ending, I thought, was was sweet, and and you know probably the best way to end a Christmas movie.
1: That is, struck close to home. Well, that's very sweet, Josh. And uh, Christmas is obviously very special to you. It's obviously special to many of us for a lot of reasons. Other people have uh, other holidays this time of year that are very special to them as well, too. So I have to wish you a Merry Christmas and wish all of our legal geeks, fans, and friends a happy holiday, whatever they celebrate at this time of year or any time of year with their families and their loved ones.
0: Thank you, Jessica. A very Merry Christmas to you. Lovely Thank tree you. once again. We've Thank you. we got the nice you. big big bulbs on it. <laughs> and uh, to everyone, stay geeky, America, and we will see you